0: Traveling the world, searching for equestrians of all breeds. The journey starts now on the International Equine Network. Good afternoon, equestrians. This is Scott Miller coming to you live from Delray Beach, Florida. Home of the sunny, sunny, sunny horse shows. Sunny, sunny horse racing. Sunny, sunny horse sales. Everything sunny here, except for today in a train. Um, I'm going to talk to you a little bit today about um, the Kentucky Derby. Uh, It's going to be a lengthy discussion today, but there's a lot I want to get across to you. And this transcends to all of the sports uh, of horse racing, horse shows, horse everything. Uh, There's one common theme when people, you know, they just think, oh, well, you know, it's for Saturday in May. You know, it's a horse race, you know, it's this, it's that, but it's more to it than just that. And that's what I want to talk to you about. The key word when I think about horses uh, of all breeds, all disciplines, I think about tradition. You go back to the days of the cowboys, the, the guys that come up, uh, you know, um, moving cattle, um, AQHA, everything. It's all about tradition, and, and especially... This week, as we get into the tradition of um, standard bread racing, they had the Little Brown Jug, and they had the uh, Jugette. And uh, it, it's something that's gone on for years. They get 30, 40,000 people to um, uh, Delaware, Ohio. Um, it's a tradition there, one of the traditions that they have. And um, if you go to, to the races, to the Hambo, or, I mean to the uh, Jug or to the um, Jugette, the tradition is is to take a lawn chair with you. You take a lawn chair with you, you set it around the track, you go to all the festivities. you watch everything, uh, you do everything. And then um, when you leave, you go take your chair and you walk up to the chain link fence around the track and you tie your chair to it with your name on it. And then next year, when you come back, you can go get your chair, take it back to your spot. It's like a reserve seating for the next for the next year and those are all, there's all kinds of traditions that um, go in the horse industry, uh, and that's just one of the many you know that we're talking about that's for the standard breeds and it's It's really a big thing to do, you know and it's a tradition and same thing you know with the Kentucky Derby. there's a lot of tradition in the Kentucky Derby. That, people really don't realize and, in what's happened, um, the, the Kentucky Derby is a chance of a lifetime and a lifetime, of uh, chance that, that, uh, these horsemen go through. And you don't have to uh, be a trainer or an owner or a jockey or a groom or a hot walker. All you gotta do is be a horse enthusiast, a horse lover. And um, there's a lot of traditions that going along with the Kentucky Derby. And we're going to talk about those today. When you get down to it, and this is why tradition has started, is because of the age of the Kentucky Derby. It inaugurated in May 17th, 1875. It's for thoroughbreds. The sponsor of the Kentucky Derby is, this year is Woodford Reserve and Brown Foreman. Um they always have to have big sponsors. The race is a mile and a quarter, which is, uh, 10 10 furlongs, or 2 kilometers. The track record was held by Secretariat at 159.4. That was in 1973. In 1889, a horse by the name of Spokane won the Kentucky Derby. It was at a mile and a half. The only time it's been run further than a mile and a quarter was 2 minutes and 34 seconds. The surface is dirt. It's a left-handed track. To qualify for the Kentucky Derby, you've got to be a three-year-old. The weight for Colts or geldings is 126, seven, 126 pounds or 57.2 kilograms. For Phillies, it's 121 pounds or 55 kilograms. The purse money is $3 million. It's $1,860,000 to the winner a lot of money then uh when you think about it you, you do all kinds of things to get you there um it's just amazing how people look at, at you know these things and they get enthused they go to it they're not even horse people but it's just their tradition that, that's there um the tradition at the Kentucky Derby. Um, you know, goes way back from the very beginning of it. Um, In 1872, Meriwether Lewis and Clark Jr., the grandson of William Clark, of the Lewis and Clark Expedition, traveled to England visiting Epsom in Surrey, where the Derby had been running annually since 1780. From there, Clark went to Paris, France, where he... Uh, where a group of racing enthusiasts had formed the French Jockey Club and had organized a Grand Prix um, at Longchamp, and they, and it started there. So, you know, a, a lot of things, you know, are coming from old school. You know, this is – and it's been refined over the years uh, as they go to – and that's what we're talking about is tradition. Now, like for me, uh, for example, the tradition is, is that I start watching all the Derby prep races, uh, starting in September, right on through the first, uh, Saturday in May. And I'm telling you, it's fun because I, it's something that I do every weekend. I can get family and friends together. Uh, we barbecue, you know, enjoy the time together and we watch the races. And, and you know, that's a tradition that, that I started back when I was, very, very young. Uh, one of the traditions we had in our family is my father would take us over to Churchill Downs. Even though children couldn't get into the tra- track over there, he drove us over to Churchill Downs, and we rode around uh, the many, many blocks around Churchill Downs, and we could see the people parking their cars and barbecuing out in the yards, and you know, walking over to the track, and we'd actually drive by the track. So that became our family tradition, Uh, you know, even though, like I said, we couldn't go in, but it's something that we did. We were a part of the Kentucky Derby, and and we liked that, you know, and and for a kid, you know, that was exciting. And then as I got older, you know, I was able to go over to the track and uh, pretty much do the same thing Derby week that that we did. Now, like in, in my family, uh, our whole big thing was to, uh, get the, get the yard and the house and everything all, all together, mow the grass, uh, you know, water the flowers, make it look good, get the picnic table set up and, you know, and, and get ready for Derby weekend. And then, uh, we would have a Kentucky Oaks party, a Kentucky Derby party, had friends over. And I mean, it, it was just really tradition and then watching on TV. You know, that, that was a good thing. And back in the day, we just had a little video of black and white TV and the radio coverage was actually better than, than the television coverage, you know, that, that we did. But again, it, it goes back to the traditions that you set forth. And then when I got older and got out on my own and started doing those things, I, I pretty much held to the same, you know, you know, regiment there with my traditions. And, um, the thing that I liked about it is, I did what my family and friends would, were doing, but then I had my own, you know, uh, thing that I set up, my own traditions that I did. And so I've been following all those until until this day. And then when I went to work on the racetrack, you know, it became a little different, but I still had nerdy traditions, you know, of, of, you know, having a, a good barbecue and, and, you know, get-togethers and everything. And, and a lot of times it, it was really... Uh, tough to do because we had horses running on Derby Day. Some in the Derby and some in, uh, in other races, you know, on the day before. But so you kind of get into a routine. And so that's what, what um, you know, uh, I was telling my friends about. I said, tradition at Derby every year. Uh Everybody has a different tradition. They do different things, but that tradition is is there. It's been in you know the Derby since 1875, and those traditions started then, and they've carried on until you know present day. So uh, I was one thinking this year, what can I do that's not that I that add to my tradition that's this year, and I still haven't figured it out yet. You know I'm thinking on it a little more, but the, the tradition is there. Uh, you know we're talking about food we're talking about friends we're talking about people taking vacations you know we're talking about a lot of different things and it can get pretty intense because some of my friends um that that um come and join with me and my traditions that i do they're not real horse people i mean they are you know they like horses but they really don't get into it you know like i do and and uh they come in and the week of the derby, they read in the paper about this horse, that horse, and they pick their favorite and they got their favorite jockey and they got their favorite trainer and favorite owner, and, uh, f- you know, favorite horse, you know, that type of thing. And then we start talking about memories, uh, of derby's past, you know, who won, who won a big, uh, you know, a lot of money, um, you know, who had the big horse in the race, uh, you know that type of thing, so you know there's so much there that you can do, and it never gets boring by no means does it does it get boring and so you know now uh that I'm older and and can look back um I spend a lot of time reflecting on the derbies that I participated in, derbies that I you know didn't participate in, and so it it was um uh, it's kind of nice to do that kind of relaxing you know type of thing uh to do. And one of the big uh traditions that they have is uh food. They have food. Kentucky burger, uh um, it's it's a great uh great soup, stew like type thing. Got chicken pork, you know, barbecue in it. It's it's really good. And so a lot of people do that. Um, you know, the barbecuing, uh pork chops, steaks, hot dogs, hamburgers, it's not so much the food that you're barbecuing, it's the fact that you're barbecuing. You know, and you got all, all the different things that go with it. Uh, you know, like one of the best uh, treats you'll ever have is called the Derby Pie, and um, it's a secret recipe by uh, a company in Louisville. And when you go to Louisville, you, you want to get one. And I, I'm not kidding you. If you if you want a Derby Pie at, at Derby time, you got to order that thing six months in advance. You know, and then stop by and pick it up, and it's it's really a great tradition there, and it's the Kentucky Derby Pie. And, and then, you know, we also have the mint julep. Various ways to make it. People have different ways to make it. Um, but but that's our tradition is the mint julep. So everything, you know, goes there. The roses um, is a tradition in Kentucky uh, at the Kroger uh, grocery store uh, in Louisville. They actually make the garden of roses that goes over the, over the winter. And that's a, a television program that comes on before, uh, uh, Derby week and, uh, it comes on, I believe on Thursday and, uh, and Friday and Saturday, you know, they go through the process. And it's really kind of neat, you know, to see that how they do that it makes you really appreciate it when they put it across the horse's back, you know, and when they won the Derby. You know, so that's another tradition. Uh, they've got balloon races there, Derby Week, uh, where they have uh, a multitude of hot air balloons. Uh, it's better than the air show, the hot air balloon show in New Mexico. That's how good this thing is. Uh, the night before, uh, it's on a Friday night, they have uh, what they call uh, light up uh, the balloons. Uh, and what they do is they're tethered to the ground and they go and they inflate the balloons. And it's in the dark, and you can see the flame go up into the balloons and, you know, how they're lit. And and it's really really a sight to behold. And then the next morning, early the next morning, all the balloons have a balloon race. And uh, they have the hair balloon, which is the balloon that won last year's derby uh, balloon race. Uh, They go up, and they they fly their uh, balloons uh, a few miles away. And then they sit down, and they drop a big OX on the ground. And then all the other balloons they take off, and when they fly uh, towards that X, they see who can get the get uh, a bag of sand dropped onto the um, onto the X. Whoever gets the closest is the winner. So you know that's your tradition uh, to see there, and you see all kinds of balloons. You see them from Ford Motor Company. Uh, you see them from uh, Coca Cola. Um, all, all these different sponsors, and it's it's really a beautiful sight. You know, to see. Uh, you don't know, take pictures at so they have that uh and that's that's what I like they have the boat races between the Belle of Louisville and, the, and um the Cincinnati Bell and they race up and down the Ohio River uh they go down a few miles they turn around and they come back up to the uh uh to the um, second street bridge there in Louisville and that's how they get the winner so that's really uh, something to see uh Something that's gone in days past, uh, you know, really boat racing on on, on the uh, Ohio there. Big paddle wheel boats, uh, a lot of steam and smoke come out of them. It's really enjoyable to watch, you know, to watch them go up and, and do that. Um, then they have the um, they have the parade. And it's a great parade that they have there. Uh, I mean, you see bands and you see all different kinds of uh, uh, you know floats. That are there in the Pegasus Parade. It's really nice. Uh, they have uh, a tradition of bed races, and usually, it, it's a lot of uh, the beds in it are from the different hospitals. They're they're like a me- medical bed, and they got wheels on them. And um, the people that run it in the race, they dress up in their like if they're nurses or doctors or attorneys, that wear suits. You know, uh, the doctors wear their uh, medical uh, wardrobe. And, uh, they have four people on it and they got one person in the bed and they run down uh, a couple of blocks down the street in Louisville and, and you get a winner. And it's really a, a crazy sight to see because those beds aren't hard to control and hard to guide, you know, and, and, but that's really good. They got the bed race, uh, you know, there and you know, people like that. Of course, they got the Pegasus parade there and they got bands from all over the country that come down to it, kind of like a Thanksgiving Day parade. You know, that they have there. Um, we have the uh, Kentucky, Kentucky Derby. K-E-N-T-U-C-K-Y, D-U-C-K-Y Derby. And what they do is they take these plastic, uh, ducks that you, that you buy, and it's a charitable thing. They throw them in, a, and they throw them in the, um, Ohio River. They float down river, and then, uh, they start picking up, uh, ducks out, and, you know, there's various prizes that, that are there for it. So that, that's really, really good. And then um, uh, they have uh, the Thursday before the Derby, they have the uh, Thunder Rover Louisville. what they call it. It's one of the largest fireworks shows in the world. It lasts almost an hour, hour long. It's on the Second Street Bridge. It, it's amazing. I've never seen anything like it in all my life. You see all kinds of fireworks. You see uh, different patterns. Uh, they shoot one fireworks up, and it's the American flag, and it's red, white, and blue. Uh, you know, they got all kinds of things there. But more importantly, what everybody really likes is during the day they have the air show, and every aircraft that the United States uh, of America has does a flyover in downtown Baltimore. You see all kinds of different things: helicopters, jets, bombers. Uh, you know, you name it, you see it. What if it's if it's an aircraft, it's in that show, and it's really good to go see. Uh, you know, it's great for photographers um, that you can go see. Photographers have a heyday with shooting the pictures of those uh, airplanes that come through, and so yeah, they got the, they got a, a mini marathon. Uh, that they have there. they got a hole-in-one golf tournament uh, that they have. Um, there's just so many things there to do, you know, when you're in Louisville. you got the Derby Museum over there that's, that's very educational, and, and it's all, um, you know, uh, historical uh, uh, things there. There's a starting gate. You can actually walk and stand in a starting gate that the horses start, uh, you know, come out of in a derby. Uh, you know, they have that. They've got videos from way back in the day. Uh, they've got all kinds of educational information there. they got a great gift shop. You know, if you're looking to get birthday presents or, or a Christmas present, you know, or just a, a general, you know, hey, friend, thanks for being my friend present. They got those. Anywhere from horseshoes to paintings to, uh, you name it, they got it there that's Derby related, you know, to it. And so that, that's a, a part of the tradition that, uh, you know, you can uh, encompass into the museum. Uh, they give you a backside tour of Churchill Downs where you can go by and see the horses in the barn and see them training in the morning. They got breakfast at the Downs. Uh, that's their tradition. Um, and they have um morning works that we carry here on IENTV.org. Um, we carry the morning works of the horses that are going into the Derby. It's an hour long show. It comes on in the morning uh, 10 days before the Kentucky Derby and right up through the Kentucky Derby. And, and so those are the kind of traditions that, you know, that we do. And, and what I like about it is these traditions, they carry over to the Preakness. They do the same thing at the Preakness. They've got parades. They've got everything. You name it, they got it. And they do the same thing at the Belmont uh, in New York. And, and the Preakness in Pinnacle, is the Pinnacle in Baltimore. And, you know, they have their own traditions, uh, their own food, their own style, their own swagger, as they say. Um, you know, and, it's, and they do so at, Bel- at Belmont Park. And speaking of Belmont Park, um, uh, it's always in Long Island, in Elmont, New York. And uh, this coming year, 2024 and 2025, the Belmont will not be held in Elmont, at Belmont Park, race they're moving it to Saratoga, New York to have it in 24, 25 up there because they are renovating the track at Belmont, the grandstands. Uh, they're putting in a new a tapita track. They're redoing a the turf track, the main track, and they're just doing it a, a good overhaul. And it's going to be so fan friendly. It's going to be just unbelievable. And, and they're doing the infield up. And it's going to be a sporting venue. They already have a hockey arena. Uh, out, out at Belmont Park. And so New York is turning it into a sports complex, and, and which is good because now you've got tradition that's overflowing into, um, you know, into Belmont Park and it's going to be modernized and it's going to be good. And they'll still have the old tradition there, you know, New York, New York with Frank Sinatra and, and they still have all that. But, but again, everything you look at in life, when you think about it, it's about tradition, and, and that's why I, you know, I like being in the horse business because we have uh, the Triple Crown races, uh, which which is all tradition. Uh, then we have uh, Keeneland in the fall and the spring racing there. That's another tradition. That's a month long party there at Keeneland in the, in the spring and in the fall. And then we have the fall meet at Churchill Downs, which is really uh, a good meet. The spring meet is the derby is the derby meet, you know, so your traditions are there. And, uh, you know, you have the same thing at, at Belmont and uh, Del Mar in California. Um, you know, it's uh, uh, by the sea, by the sea, by the beautiful sea, Delmar is the place to be. That's their tradition. Uh, they, they incorporate because they're on the ocean and it's a, and it's a great uh, uh, race meet to go to Mar. Um, it's just on, it's unreal, you know, and you can do things that you normally couldn't do, you know, locally, um, in any of these facilities, you know, it's best just to wait for the, uh, for the, uh, meets to get there. And so, you know, I'm sitting there thinking like, oh, this is crazy. And then this snuck up on me and I just started laughing. I said, my goodness, I said, how can I not see this coming? Uh, we the Breeders' Cup was started to uh, recognize the breeders of the world to let them know that they've done a good job. Uh, you know that it wasn't just a race for three-year-olds. You know it had a lot of uh, variety to it. it. It literally brought all horses in, in the business together from uh from three year olds, two year from two year olds uh uh that they that they have uh there. They've got the three year old races, three year olds and ups, they got the grass grass races, they got sprint races, they got long races, they got every kind of race that a horse could run in is run during Breeders Cup weekend. And it's usually the first Saturday or Friday and Saturday in in uh November. This year it's gonna be out at Santa Anita, so uh, be sure you, you know, inquire, uh, either at org or you go to, uh, dot um, com and to see uh, what they have. But, um, the purpose of that was, is to get and recognize breeders that have worked hard year round breeding horses to run, you know, and, and they could win and, and, you know, helping, uh, perpetuate the, the sport of horse racing. So then all of a sudden, you know, in the last few years, uh, talking to my friends at the Breeders' Cup, we said, hey, wait a minute, there's a tradition following here. You know, we got we got to get something, uh, you know, uh, to have a tradition. And so one of the girls said, oh, well, why don't we get a, a Breeders' Cup glass? Just like they do at, at uh, Churchill for, they got the mint julep glass at Churchill, they got the um, pemlico has got their glass, and Belmont's got their glass, and they're dated, and they've got all the winners of the races on them, and, and everything. And so now, you know, Breeders' Cup said, "Okay, we'll start doing that and making a tradition. Let people start collecting these things." So it's gone over real well over the last ten years. I mean, really, really well. And so, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, like, "Wow, look at this." And on my way home uh, one day, I was thinking. Well, you know, the Breeders' Cup, that's, they got that now. So we got four big traditions uh, now instead of just the three. Um, you know, so it was exciting, you know, to be thinking about that. And then I was going through the drive through I was grabbing something to, to uh, eat at the Kentucky Fried Chicken. And I realized, I said, oh, my God, what about the Breeders' Cup? What's their food? They don't have a traditional food. You know, I'm sitting there thinking like, wow, let me put my numbers together and see what I can find out. It was simple. It was three little numbers. The Kentucky Derby, the Preakness, the Belmont. They all have traditional foods. Each Each race has their own traditional foods, their own traditional party. So I started writing down the different things. And then I said, you know what? I'm going to start a project here and International Equine Network. And we're going to take this to the nation, to the world. It's called Triple Crown Tradition. What we do is we go to Churchill Downs, and we have three people. We select an owner, a trainer, and a jockey. And we bring them together Derby Week, and we have a cook-off. They bring their family traditional food the table it could be beans and rice barbecue it could be whatever they whatever their tradition is now you're going to see a lot of these old old time old trainers with some old time you know food what do they do for kentucky derby so we're going to tell their story they're going to cook their their meal um then we'll do the same thing with the trainer The trainer will have his tradition, what his family does, you know, for derby. And then we'll have the jockey. The jockey, what they do for, you know, derby tradition. So we got the owner, the trainer, and the jockey. We do the same thing at Pemico. We have the owner, trainer, and jockey. Same thing at Belmont. We do the same thing. And out of those three people at each track, we're going to have one winner. It could be an owner, it could be a trainer, it could be a jockey, but we're going to have one winner selected by a celebrity um, d- judges from that local area. So, in other words, we'll we'll have people from uh, Louisville, Temlico, and Belmont will decide the winners, and then after we have the winners, the three winners, they will proceed on to uh, the Breeders' Cup in November. So we'll have the champion from Churchill, the champion from Pimlico, and the champion from Belmont all showing up. And this will be at Delmar in 2024. We will have the three winners compete against each other. And then, um, when we get that winner, that will be our triple crown traditional, uh, triple crown, uh, traditional, uh, uh, cook off champion. So I think it'll be exciting because we're getting people from all walks of life. Uh, you know, we could, we could literally end up with, you know, three owners being at the Breeders Cup, or we could have two jockeys and, and a trainer. Uh, you know, it, it could be a variety of them that, that we'll have there. And, and um, then we will have, uh, the, the total, um, uh, the triple crown tradition, uh, winner will have his, uh, recipe, um, Published in all kinds of uh, food magazines across the country and across the world. That's what we'll be doing with, and so that, that's one of the things that uh, you know we're looking at, and it's and what it does is it helps the tradition of horse racing move along. You know, it, it gives people something to look forward, something extra other than just two minutes in sports, and you know it's funny how you have hundreds of thousands of people that show up at the races every year to go to these races. And, you know, it's for, it's for a two minute race. It's for a two minute race. How many things have you ever seen that could generate, you know, hundreds of thousands of people, uh, attending or going to and watching and, and participating in some way, shape or form, uh, you know, in the horse racing. And, and, and that's your tradition that they do there. You don't see that in, in regular sports. You know, it's a social event. It's an athletic event. You know, it's a financial event. Uh, you know, it, it helps everybody in every way. You know, uh, the people of the communities and everything. And, you know, I, I know one uh, one lady, her and her daughters, just her and her daughters, they go to Kentucky Oaks, which is for the Phillies. And then they they've got their tradition. They go to a local restaurant there in Churchill. And they just do the whole day of it, you know. And it's and it's just her and her daughters. And see, that's a tradition that they do. Um, I got I got friends, uh, some guys that I know, and they like to uh, they like to go to the races uh, on Thursday, which they they uh, it's the local for all the locals there. They call it Thurby, and that's where all the local people from the community get together. And and, uh, the guys I know. Uh, they put on their suits and their hats, and they buy a couple of cigars. They go to the track and race, and then they go to their local uh, sports bar after the races. You know, so those are like traditions that were done. But now we've got the Breeders' Cup tradition. You know, and it's really, really going to be good. And if I can work everything out, like the the Grand Champion of the Breeder uh, of our uh, of our uh, Triple Crown tradition we'll get two Kentucky Derby tickets to the 2025 Kentucky Derby. So we're already starting to talk to the sponsors about it, and I'm getting a real good response from them, you know, because it's going to be an international uh, project. It's uh, all going to be on TV. It's going to have a celebrity chef that's going to be the judge that actually has programming on TV now. So, um, you know, we have that. But, you know, it's all about your tradition that, that you do uh, and life. Um, you know, the, the Triple Crown, it was a great thing, you know, to do. Uh, each each event, the Derby, Preakness, and Belmont are, are a good thing to do. And, you know, it, it's just like a year-round deal. You know, pretty much there's very few months that we're not racing and not doing anything. Um, like one of the traditions that uh, uh, one of my owners had, um, he they got all the employees together for a Christmas party. And they would get their bonuses at Christmas time from all the hard work that they did, uh, you know, from for the owners. And so what they would do is, like, say if we had uh, 30 uh, foals uh, that were born on the farm, you know, that year, um, what we would do is we would put uh, the horse, the mare, the, the mare and the foal, we would put the mare's name in, and then everybody would uh, pick, pick a piece of paper out of there and it would have the mayor's name on it. And it you you got to name the foe. You gotta write a name down and 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 put it on put it on that paper and put it in there to see uh you know uh what the foe's name would be. And a lot of them have turned out to be really good ones, you know, over the years. So that was a tradition that they do on the farm that everybody gets you know gets to do um other traditions they have are sales uh, like the Keeneland sales today it's on it's on our website it's live we've got horses going for two three million dollars you know their yearlings are getting ready to start their career next year As you know as a racehorse and and you know go down the road with that but um, a lot of that tradition is um you know everybody gets together and they have like a, a big breakfast in the morning or a big meal at the end of the day and Talk about you know how much the horses sold for, and who who bought what, and you know who do you think's going to win you know wear any of them win the Derby, you know, and, and that's kind of like an all day tradition. It's a it's like a all day sandwich deal to be honest with you, because you're working the sale, you're taking care of the horses, you know, but you're still are able to sit down and you know eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you know. So that's pretty good. And what I like about that is is um, uh, at the sales, when you work the sales, uh, you usually, uh, work for one of the consigners. And the consigner usually keeps everybody the same crew together every year. Uh, you know, they, they travel to the different sales in Kentucky, Florida, New York, California, Arkansas, Louisiana. Uh, these consigners try to keep the same people together and keep it, uh, you know, like a tradition. You know, they know what to do. Uh, you know, with it. And so that's, that's always pretty good you know but you see a lot of things that you do in your life you know become become traditions and i found that once you get traditions um you know and to the, especially the horse business it 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 builds on the quality of the people that you're dealing with your horses they take pride in what they do uh you know they they really love it they uh, uh you know they're, they're proud of what they do and you know, they're, they, they like going to the races and and they like going to the different parties and, and everything, you know, uh, and, and it's their tradition. And when you get traditions, you usually can get a stable pardon the pun, uh, workers in your barn. You can do that. And because, you know, they're proud of what they do. They're proud of who they are and they're glad to put on that farm, you know, uh, racing colors or jacket as they call it uh you know when they when they're there and that's that's really um you know what it's all about and so now uh you know (laughs) i said well i've opened up a can of worms now because there's a lot of people i had two people come up to me the one was an owner and uh, one was a trainer don't be asking me for any old recipe don't be asking me for any recipe i train horses i work too hard I got businesses going on outside of my horse business. My horse business is my hobby. Don't be asking me for a recipe. You know, that was three days ago. Today, they brought me recipes. (laughs) My great-great-grandmothers. When we won the Kentucky Derby with Silver Charm, you know, those kind of stories that they had, you know, whatever horse they had running in the Derby, they had, you know, had that. And also, uh, um, but you know, it, it's all about the, tra- the traditions that we have. And like I said, in, in our program, um, how they get there, uh, we're going to be following, uh, the horses as of the uh, last uh, week of uh, the 17th. Uh, we had or the 16th. We had the first uh, qualifier for the Kentucky Derby. It, it wasn't a, it, it was a good race, but it, it, it wasn't a bang, bang up race. I don't think we're going to see any horses that came out of the uh, Iroquois stake race there at Churchill. I don't think there was a Derby horse in there. Um, They were green. Um, They were competitive. They were all about the same level. Uh, You know, they might surprise me, but um, I'll just tell you the history of the Iroquois. There's never been a Kentucky Derby winner come out of that race. So you know that's telling me that the race is a little too early. Um, they push the horses to a lot of the two-year-olds. They push to get ready to run at Saratoga because if you got a win at Saratoga on your resume, that's really good as far as breeding uh, as the breeding uh, aspects of it is uh, whether it's a stallion or a mare. That's always good to break your maiden at Saratoga, you know. And I saw quite a few good horses up there. But none of them showed up at the air cause, so that just kind of tells me, you know, it may be a little too early for these two year olds to be uh, adrenaline on them as far as the Derby is concerned. And, and then we got a couple more races that'll be coming up uh, here uh, that's on the Derby trail. And the, the unusual part about it is, is that as you go as you go down the road. To the Kentucky, to the Kentucky Derby there. This is the, the thing that I look for. I look for where these horses are running and when they're running. Now the Iroquois was was, was a good race. You know, I came up, it was a Churchill, that was back on uh, um, 16th there. Then then they had the Champagne in New York, um, which is another little test, uh, but that's in the 1st of October. You got the Air American Feral, which is at Santa Anita, that's October 8th. Then you have the Breeders Cup, Breeders Cup Futurity at Keeneland on October the 8th. And then you have the Breeders Cup Juvenile. And that's on, um that's on the first Saturday in uh, November. And so now, you know, you got some pretty good looking horses to look at there. You know, it's not too bad. But again, these horses are young and when you push them young like that, you know, it makes a difficult time down the road because basically what you have to do is you got to lay those horses up for a month or two, make sure that they're adjusting to the training and and the competition that they're going through. You know, that's what you got to do with that. So I, I hold very little. I always make notes, but I don't really put a lot of stock into these early races. Uh, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, which is, uh, usually crowns the two-year-old champion of the year. Very rarely has that two-year-old champion come back and won the, Bre- I won the Kentucky Derby the next year. You know, because it's just, there's a lot of things that happen, you know, with the horses, uh, you know, coming out, out to run to the track. Um, it depends on what part of the year that they fall. Uh, they can fall in January. They can fall in May. Uh, you know, and, and if they fall, let's say we got a horse that falls in, in January and one that falls in May and they both go to the Kentucky Derby. You know, the, the one that falls in May is actually younger than the one in January. The one in January is five months older than that horse, you know, that falls in May. So that makes a big difference, you know, as far as their growth and, the, and and their training and everything that that they do, you know. So that that makes it tough. But then when you get into the winter time, and you start looking at all the things, you know, that, that these horses have done, um, you know, they're they're learning to train, they're learning to have people ride them, they're learning all different kinds of things. These horses at at, at two. Are getting on a van for the first time. Some of them are getting on an airplane for the first time. Um, they're training at different, multiple tracks. Uh, they're out of their, their security zone. Uh, you know, they're weaned. They wean them from the, from the mares. Uh, you know, which is traumatic. Uh, you know, when you're taking them out there and throwing them in a, a field with a bunch of yearlings and, and they're all picking on each other and they're running up and down playing and, you know, it's all different for them. Their mind and their bodies go through so much more than any other, uh, you know, thing on the planet. Uh, you know, they get three times, uh, you know, their size by, by a two-year-old uh, season. Um, they learn how to go into starting gates. They learn how to, you know, race in competition by doing, you know, weekly or monthly workouts and everything. Uh, there's just so much that they go through. You know, and then they get to the racetracks and they see the crowds and hear the people screaming, and you know, then on Derby Day you got two hundred thousand people, you know, that are in and around Churchill Downs, and you know, it's just crazy, you know, stuff that they get through, but it's all part of the process. And and then when you know they get through their two-year-old or three-year-old season, uh, you know, you're looking at uh, Saratoga and uh, Monmouth Park. Uh, you know, for races there in New York, uh, California, Kentucky, you know, big stake races, lots of money that they're running for. So it's a pretty, you know, um, pretty big thing. It's uh, something that you can't fall into a pattern in, you know, like, uh, how how most of us do, uh, well, not, not me, but most, most people fall into that nine to five Monday through Friday thing, you know, um. We go, uh, we go through the week, Monday through Friday, uh, go out to friends on the weekend, and then, you know, we start all over again on Monday. Same thing with the horses. They go through, you know, the Monday through Friday deal, they race on the weekends, they rest up on Sunday, and then they start all over again the next week. You know, that's just the unfortunate thing that we have to do, uh, you know, when we're working or in the horse business out there with them. So, you know the the thing that I'm saying about tradition is is um, you you gotta follow if you're gonna follow the horse business you look at it now we're gonna uh, in our how in our 2024 Kentucky Derby how they get there we're following Windstar Farm and Spencer Farm. Windstar is is by the numbers. They're they're getting there, but they're a newer farm than most of the farms like Spendthrift, Claiborne, uh, you know, Adena Springs, that type of thing. So we're following WinStar and Spendthrift, and you'll be amazed at the runners and, and the things that they do, you know, at their two farms uh, during the year. Then um, we're following Todd Fletcher. Uh, he's our trainer that we're following. Uh, Todd's been uh, multiple times. He's been trainer of the year. Um, he's got many, many horses that have won multiple graded stakes races. Uh, he's won, won the Derby, uh, twice, um, he, which was good. He won with Super Saver and Always Dreaming. Uh, he worked for Wayne Glucas, uh, so he knows where to get that, uh, business sense and the fire in him, get, get that going. Uh, we're looking at a guy, uh, by the name of Steve Smith, uh, Steve Norman. Stephen Norman is probably the best blacksmith ever to pick up a hammer. This guy is just unbelievable in what he does. And I, I worked with him a lot when I was at one star and on the track. And he comes in and he looks at a horse and he says, okay, he said, this is what I need to do. He tells that to the trainer or to the owner. And the one thing that I learned from him, is you don't tell the, the the blacksmiths what to do. Now, that sounds kind of nasty by saying something like that, but it's not. And here's the point. Because he asked me, what should I do with this horse? And I said, you got to shoe him. And he says, okay, how should I shoe him? I said, Steve, I'm not a blacksmith. I said, you're the blacksmith. I said, "Your your job is to shoe the horse, which you already know, and then you know we tell the owner and the trainer this is what you did to him, and we go from there. I said I've never shot a horse before. He said good. He said we're going to get along good because you know the last thing you need to do is have an owner or a trainer that come in that they know a lot about shoeing horses. You know they they've shot a lot of they they have had horses that been had shoes put on a lot a lot of times. But they've never really got into it, really studied it like the blacksmith does, and that's what I like about Steve Norman. And from day one, when I came in, when I came into to the business, especially when I got at one star, let me tell you something. When he came in, he knew what to do, and he did it. That was for sure. And you know that, and they produced millions and millions of dollars in earnings from the horses. But that's you know that's what you do there. If you you give that person the responsibility, and then they have to you know live up to that responsibility, just like the owner does with the trainer, he gives the trainer the responsibility of of um, you know training the horse, and that includes getting a blacksmith you know to do what needs to be done, and that's why Steve Norman's got a lot of work. He he's, he's actually twenty two years old, but he looks like he's sixty. Uh, no, but Steve he's a good guy. And then the same thing with the feed. We go to the feed. And um, what I like about this is another tradition that you see. is a company called Hallway Feed in Lexington, in Lexington Kentucky. It's a family-run organization for a long time. They supplied a lot of stakes winners, derby winners, you name it. And they, their feed goes all over the world. So that, that's another thing. And it's kind of like, you know, a tradition. If you feed Hallway Feed... You can get your feed in any country, any racetrack in the world. Hallway feed will get that feed that you're getting fed here in Florida or Lexington. They will get it to you in Dubai, France, Australia, China. They'll get it to you anywhere you go. You know, and that, that's a tradition that they do in their family and their business. They're known for getting everybody fed across the world in the equine industry. And then we have... um you know, our horse transportation, uh, Brookledge Horse Transportation is one of the best companies I've ever seen, and yes, I am biased because I did work for them, but they make all their own trailers. They've got qualified uh, drivers that are that are horsemen and drivers, so they know what to look for. Uh, they've got cameras in, in, in the trailers uh, that they can watch the horses as they're going down the road to make sure they don't get in trouble. Uh and, and another policy that I like is if you want to provide a, a groom to go with your horse, Brook, Brookledge will allow that to happen. So, you know, your horse comes first with them at Brookledge, and, and they're the best best people in the world, you know, as far as transporting horses. They do uh, airport runs and cross-country runs, too. So, you know, they can cover everything that you do there. And then um, we get down to the equine sales. You've got to have... Horses to give to your trainers and, and, and your owners to get, give, and, you know, in and race. And I tell you, the sales are really good. The Keeneland sales are the best. They're going on now. They're live on my website now, on intv.org. Uh, the Keeneland sales, it's the yearling sales. And over the last uh, ten days or so, they've had a, a multiple million-dollar winners uh, uh, horses being bought. Uh, pay a million, million, three, two million, three million, and even have one for three million. Uh, so the, the market is really good. And, uh, and those sales, they go from, from really inexpensive horses to three million dollar horses. And the greatest thing about that is, is every horse in that sales ring today and all week long, they all got a shot at the Kentucky Derby coming up in two years. Every one of them. And you know, when they get in that gate at the starting gate at Churchill Downs, those horses don't know where they were born, you know, any of how much they paid for them. They don't know nothing when they get in that gate. And it really doesn't matter, you know, whether you've been in, uh, born in Kentucky, Florida, California, and Europe, wherever they all have the same chance to get to the Derby. And, and so the sales are really important for the owners, um, because you can, you can, Do pretty good and you gotta be business sense, you know, have business sense and, and, you know, try to find a place for it in your racing program. And, and it's really good to do that. And, and the thing that's really kind of taken, uh, notice here in the last few years, uh, there's a company called MyRaceHorse.com and you can go in and, and buy a micro share in a horse. And I've seen micro shares in a horse go anywhere from thirty nine dollars up to, you know, a lot of money. You know, um it's just amazing. And and the great thing about my dot com is that you can go out and you can you get a you can go to the races and, and whatever horse you own a part of, you go to the races, you get to go to the clubhouse, you get to go to the paddock, you get to go to the barn section you're just as much an owner as the guy that owns 99% of that horse. And that's really turned, you know, things around, you know, for, uh because if you got a micro-share on a horse, you know, you can get your friends together and you can take them and go to, over to the clubhouse at the races, take them out for a nice dinner. You can go over and see your horse's, horse train in the morning. You know, there's a lot of things that you can do. And what I like about MyRaceHorse.com is you don't have any, once you pay that money down, you know, to MyRaceHorse.com, there's no maintenance fees. You don't have to worry about feed, shoes transportation. You don't have to worry about nothing, you know, but yet you're still an owner. And so that, that's really, you know, one way of owning a horse where you can participate in it. And hey, I suggest to you now, go out there and check MyRaceHorse.com Race, out. You know what? You could buy a two-year-old that they got running now that could run in a derby next year. You know, authentic. They won the triple crown, or won the derby up there. Authentic. He had over 5,000 owners. Nevertheless, they they owned. They owned. So how many people, you know, walking around that can say, hey, I own a derby winner. Well, I know 5,000 of them that can say that. That's for sure. You know, so the sales are really important that, that we do. And like I said, the derby prep races, they, they've already started. They'll run all the way through, uh, through April. And, and literally every state, you know, we're looking at Arkansas and Arkansas Derby. Uh, there's three or four prep races that you can earn, uh, points in that. Um, uh, you know, Louisiana Derby, uh, King- uh, they've got uh, the Breeders Cup Futurity. Uh, you know, they, they got all kinds of races. They're all across the country. And, and a lot of times, you know, if you dislike to be around horses and everything, uh, it's, it's kind of fun to get a little pegboard up, you know, that you put up and, and, uh, uh you can find out, um, who won the prep race that week here at, at our website and, you know, kind of keep following, track them, see where they go, how they got there. You know, was it through Kentucky, or Arkansas, California, you know, uh, New York, uh, Illinois? How did, they, how did they get there? That's what this show's all about, how they get there and everything. So that, that's always, uh, you know, the thing to follow there are the prep races. And then the most interesting one that I find, and it's all right, you know, it's okay, uh, to do, um, Filmless. Uh, that, that was the, that was the tough part that I had about filming it. Uh, this, this one section, it's the only part that is difficult in this whole, in this whole documentary. And that's the decision to run in the Kentucky Derby. Well, you talk about making a decision of a lifetime. It's that, you know, the owner has the ultimate decision to make, to make it in the Derby. And he's got a lot of things to think about. He said, "If I run my horse in the derby and he wins it, the potential for him being a, a a multi-million dollar stallion is 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 right there. If he runs second in the derby, okay, his chances of being a stallion, you know it's it's a high end you know it's a high end tag there. You're doable. If he runs third, You got to really start looking at where he goes from that point on, and same thing with the Derby winner and the Preakness winner. You got to think about where you're going with them. If you run second in the Derby, you got a chance to come out and, you know, um, uh, say, "Hey, I'm good. I beat the Derby winner in the Preakness." You know, same with third place. They do the same thing, but not many of the horses in the Derby go to go on to the Preakness. And then you got about think about the Belmont and the Triple Crown. The Belmont's a mile and a half. Very few horses out of the Kentucky Derby make it to the to the Belmont because it, it's a whole different set of training. Uh, it's a, it's in a three week or five five a three and five week uh, of the Preakness and the Bel- and the uh, Derby. So you got to look at that. So there's so many things that this owner has to do and how he has to think. Especially the, the, running in the Derby is the hardest decision to make of uh, all uh, the horse's career. That's the hardest decision to make because after the Preakness, after the Derby, you know, you go to the Preakness. If you don't want to go to the Preakness, you got a lot of, you know, uh, three, four, $500,000 races, uh, million dollar races. You got the Breeders cup. You got a lot of races that you can come back and prove your horse in. And that's what an owner always has to think about. Is proving his horse how good he is. But again, there's a lot of traditions that, you know, that we talked about today that we skimmed over. Um, you know, you think about it. What's your tradition for, uh, the Derby, uh, the Preakness, the Belmont, and the Breeders Cup? And, and if, you know, if you don't have any tradition, what's your tradition for the, uh, a Super Bowl party that you have? The Indy 500, you know, the Daytona 500. You see, you see the whole theme that we have here? How important the word tradition is? You know, tradition's a real deal because it happens every day. Every day in our life, we have traditions. But how, how big and how important is your traditions for you? Think about it. What's your next tradition? You know, are you doing any traditional things this week? You know, weekends here? Think about it. Okay, this is Scott Miller, and I'm okay today. I'm done, ready to go out and do my equine traditions tomorrow. And by the way, we got Palm Beach Downs back open. We retained uh, the lease on that. Palm Beach Downs is back in the hands of Sunshine Meadows and Brandon Mills, and Todd Pletcher will be back, and they'll be grinding out all those horses, and he's got some Derby horses that are at Palm Beach Downs and we'll see you the first Saturday in May. Have a good weekend.